Welcome to episode 62 of From the Shed End podcast with myself, T. As always, Theo, how are you doing? Yeah, apart from Saturday's results and the heartbreak, I'm doing good. Had an amazing weekend putting that football, 120 minutes of football aside and enjoying the warm weather today here in London. Mini heat wave, I want to call it, 26 degrees. So looking forward to my five-a-side football tonight. How are you doing? You should, you should be used to it seeing as you, uh, you wasn't in Dubai that long ago. Dubai have been double this temperature. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, like yourself, you know, obviously difficult weekend to process like a really good game which we'll talk about in a minute but you know to process how we played and then to it ruins your Sunday you just can't focus on football on a Sunday after a big defeat and any kind of game against Liverpool especially in the FA Cup but apart from that yeah I'm good sun's relatively half shining in Liverpool of all places um <laughs> but yeah no it's good it's good hey FIFA's still there but yeah, yeah it's good struggling of that as well yeah yeah it's crazy but um for anyone who's listening if you're on youtube then you can as as always make sure you follow the um social accounts that you can see at the top of the screen as well make sure you subscribe to the channel and also subscribe to spotify to make sure you don't miss an episode of from the shed end as well um but let's get straight into it because it's been a while feels like a while since we last recorded we had an fa cup final which if you think about it on the grand scheme of things, you know, four times we've played Liverpool this season, we haven't lost. We've lost two penalty shootouts. Talk to me about the game in terms of the the day out for you as well, obviously, but just talk about in terms of the performance from Chelsea. Was it what you expected in terms of an FA Cup final? I thought it'd be very similar to, um, to the League Cup final. I think I even when I quick gave my quick prediction, I said extra time and then anything could happen. And obviously anything can happen is penalties, whether it's Liverpool or whether it's Chelsea winning. So I'm not too surprised by the outcome of the game, us not taking our chances. Maybe on another day, Liverpool would have scored one of those chances where I think Diaz hits the post or Robertson hits the post. So you can consider us a bit lucky. But then again, I think Pulisic and Alonso hit the post for us and both keepers forced into some brilliant saves. So any other day, I think one of the teams is winning that game in, a, in normal time, maybe even in extra time. So disappointing from that aspect. But in terms of the day out, it was Costa there, Wembley out there, I think 23 degrees, 24 degrees. So it was pretty warm. Um, big mistake to be wearing black jeans that day because I was quite hot and sweaty <laughs> under those. But um, no, it was a good, good atmosphere in the Chelsea fan zone before kickoff. A couple of pints, had a good, uh, really close Danish friend fly all the way from Denmark to watch the game with me. So I feel more bad for her than myself. Um, but uh, but no, I mean, just getting used, like I always say, getting used to that disappointment now of leaving Wembley before the other group of fans and having to walk back to Wembley Park Station. I'm getting used to it a lot now. And that's, I think, three FA Cup finals in a row. That's six final mm. defeats at Wembley for Mason Mount, if I read yeah. correctly. So I think it's just we just struggle at that last hurdle we really really struggle and I think we'll get to the penalty shootout in itself a bit later because I've got a couple of things I want to point out in terms of the goalkeeping in terms of maybe bringing Kepper on but I want to know your thoughts on the game how you thought it planned out could we have won it in, a, in normal time were we the better team than Liverpool or what do you make uh, I think I think um, the way that the game started it, it could easily have been 2-0 Liverpool easily I think if you think about 
back to uh, Luis Diaz. I felt Chalabar, Reese James were caught out maybe a couple of times and there was loads of space for uh, for Diaz for both of them. But they did well. They did they did okay. They done, I think they kind of redeemed themselves as the game went on, um, came progressed. But you're right. You know, I think either team could easily have won that game comfortably, you know, one or two nil. I think we had plenty of opportunities ourselves in terms of Pulisic, like you said. I think Alonso rattled the crossbar from a, a free kick, if I remember correctly as well. You know, I think for, I think for me it was... It's a game that I would have loved to have seen Kai Havertz and I think he was, you know, we, he loves these kind of big occasions. We know he's the sort of guy that we go to in terms of stepping up when it matters, the, those big occasions. Um, so it's a shame that he wasn't able to to be part of that squad. But I think we had enough out there. I think it was right to play Lukaku. I think off the back of the two performances that we got to see beforehand in terms of the form that Lukaku was in, um, it made sense to play him. Um, surprised a bit about Kovacic starting. I can understand why. And I said in the match preview, I expect him to start even if he's 70%. And to be honest, he he done well to survive as long as he did based on the injury that he had as well. That you could tell that he was heavily strapped up with around his ankles. But um, it's a tough one to take because I feel like we were the better team in spells, especially more so in the second half. I felt like we're the better team. And, and it's, it's, it's always difficult because you can look back and say, you know, we had this chance or that chance, but we had enough chances to... to maybe not win the game, but at least attempt to try and take the lead in the game, you know, and, and give Liverpool something to, to fight back on as well. Yeah, no, definitely. I think, like you mentioned, we had our chances beginning of that second half, that spell we had. I thought if we're not going to score a goal here, it's sort of it almost felt like now or never players that could have maybe made a difference off the bench. Like you mentioned, Havertz, he was injured. He couldn't play a part. Found out after the game that Vernon, despite being on the bench, had a bit of an injury in the warm up, so didn't play a part. So we were kind of short on attacking options other than maybe the Loftus Cheeks or Zietches that could come on. But uh, but no, it was disappointing, disappointing. But uh, it's always tough to take when it's Liverpool and there's only two spot kicks that separate the two teams in the end. So really tough one to take, um, especially now it's back-to-back finals against them. That's oh, It just boils my blood. It really does boil my blood. It's the worst part, I think. I think for me, it's the worst part that we... Like I said, you know, I think we were the better team in, in some aspects. And I think if you speak to Liverpool fans, they'll probably say that they were the better team. But I think if you're a neutral or you're someone with a bit of football logic, you'll say that there were times, especially like I said in that second half, that we dominated. We had, you know, spells where we could have took the lead and, and Liverpool could have done that in, the, in the, uh, the first half and second half as well. But I do want to ask you about Thomas Tuchel's um, substitutions because... Uh, <laughs> I, I get it to an extent, but I just didn't understand, you know, bringing on Ruben Loftus-Cheek to then take him off to bring on Barkley, who hasn't featured, I don't think, since January. Um, took his penalty well, rightfully so. Give him his credit there. But I just felt the, the substitutions were just a bit, you know, I'm just looking at the bench now. I kind of see why he brought the plays he did on because who else... You know, maybe you do risk Timo Werner. Do you bring him on, even though he's slightly injured? Do, do you risk him? I don't know. Could you bring on Malang Sar? Maybe. I don't know. But what was your thoughts on, on on the subs, not bringing on Kepa, which is something you just mentioned before, and keeping Mendy, who we know isn't the best at goalkeeping uh, in terms of penalties. Would you have brought on Kepa in, in that situation? situation? 100%. I would have brought on Kepa. I would have brought on Kepa. You look at that Milner and Firmino penalty, I think Kepa's saving one of those two, one of those two penalties. The fact that Mendy got a hand to it 
Kepa would have definitely kept it out and saved it. And all the people around me at Wembley in my section, when there was one more substitution left, they all said, oh, this is too good about to bring on Kepa for the penalty shootout. And then when we saw Barkley come on and Loftus-Cheek come off, there was a bit of confusion. Uh, initially, I thought maybe Loftus-Cheek was injured because he did almost seem to limp off the pitch. But even so, maybe you just you play out the last two minutes of the game with an injury or not. And then, like you mentioned, maybe Barkley was one of the penalty takers, a better penalty taker. He's shown Tuchel in, in the, on a training ground that he is a good penalty taker. I think he did score one against Villa, I think it was, in the League Cup um, earlier this season. But always a risk to bring on a player that hasn't touched the ball. Mm, in, um, you know, he hasn't, like you mentioned, he hasn't played since January. I don't think he even touched the ball when he came on. And you'd never want a player that hasn't touched the ball for the 90 minutes or the 120 minutes to take a penalty. It's a bit of a risk. You want to get a feel of the ball. You want to get a feel of the game. But like you mentioned, he took his penalty well. Credit to him. But I do feel like Kepa would have been that perfect fifth substitution. So um, a bit disappointed there. But he did, Mendy did save the, the Mane one well. Maybe he, he knows him from his Senegal uh, national duties. Mm. But that Firmino and Milner one, the fact he got a hand to it but didn't really put any kind of power behind the hand and just let it kind of trickle into the back of the net. I just want to be seeing a bit more reassurance from him when stopping these penalties. He doesn't really seem like he knows what he's doing himself, what side to pick early on. He, uh, I mean, before that Mane penalty save, the only one he'd saved in a Chelsea shirt was the Aguero one where he tried to penenka him down the middle. The, the easiest one. The easiest one, exactly. So yeah. I don't know. I would have definitely brought Kepa on. I uh, don't know what you think about that. Uh, I mean... People will say, you know, it didn't work last time. And I mean, we've got to think back to how many, I think it was, what, 11? Was it 10 penalties each or something that we, we ended up going around almost every player? We, we, we did, in fact, to get to the League Cup, to, to, you know, to see who could win the League Cup. So I think we know Kepa's record is much better than Mendy's in terms of penalties and, and the amount of penalties that Mendy has saved compared to what Kepa's saved. So if I had an option to bring on a goalkeeper that has got a bit more confidence in, in, in for me who builds a bit more confidence in me to to say yes you might be able to save this penalty it's a no-brainer and I think to, to sub on and then sub off a, a player it's almost a waste of a substitution because he wasn't in Ruben Loftus sheet was perfectly fine he, I think he limped off in, in embarrassment that he was being mm. subbed off after maybe 10 minutes of being on the pitch so um and I think Tuchel said after the game it was more of a tactical you know Barkley's better at penalties than Ruben Loftus cheat but I just think we've seen that over the course of the season with Tuchel and I'm not again I have to caveat that with I don't think he's not the guy for the job he is 100% but we have seen some weird like subs made from Tuchel and I think that was one of them on, on Saturday just in terms of bringing on Barkley just for the sake of a penalty who hasn't touched the ball very cold going into a penalty shootout I think we saw it with Mark Noble a few uh, months ago for West Ham I think who just came on um, just for the penalty. He just, I think David Moyes brought him on just for the pen and he missed it, but it's it's easily done. You know, it's easily done because you're not in the game. You haven't touched the ball. So I would have brought on Kepa. Mm. I would have brought him on. I think it makes perfect sense too. He's got a better record than Mendy at penalties. Um, you know, you don't ever expect your goalkeeper to need to take a penalty. So you're not bringing him on to take one. You're bringing mm. him on because you know he can save them. So for me, it's a no-brainer. He, mm. he has to, he has to, um, Come on. He had his gloves on as well on the bench. I'm not sure you saw when all the two core were celebrating the Mendy save, this, the camera span to, to Kepa and he had his gloves on, almost like strapping them, ready, still feeling like he was going to play a part. So I think he was ready to come on. Um, maybe Bettinelli and the other keepers expected him to come on, but 
like you said, occasionally the odd questionable substitution from Tuchel. We saw it with Saar against Wolves. Mm. So, um, man for the job, but questionable subs at times for sure. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Let's talk about Andreas Christensen, who, um, if you're listening on the audio, I'm smirking because I think I, I just I'm I'm baffled. I'm so confused um, from what I read, and I'm only going by reports, so mm-hmm. I don't want to say this is the you know the exact truth, and no one really knows the truth apart from Andreas Christensen and Thomas Tuchel, the club, etc. But from what we've been told through reports and media is. Uh, Andres Christensen was involved in training ahead of the game, obviously played in the midweek game against Leeds, um, was involved in training up until the Saturday, travelled to the hotel with the team ahead of the game in preparation to start the FA Cup final. The final hour of, of preparations decides to check himself out the hotel due to um, you know the pressures of being in the FA Cup final as, as one of the reasons anyway. Um, and isn't, in the squad isn't with the team I don't think isn't at the stadium I, I just I, I get I get it you know people are saying you know the pressures of being a footballer or you know we don't know his mental health well-being I, I agree with that 100 and you know if that is the case he needs to get the correct support from Chelsea and from you know those around him but it's a I think it's a timing for me I think it's I mean he, he knew he was going to be in the squad you know Thursday Friday he had plenty of time to go speak to Tuchel and say look I'm, I'm not. I'm not ready for this game. I mean, if I'm going to be the devil's advocate, I'm going to say he's got a deal already signed for Barcelona, and you know, it's almost that you know, you're handing your notice at a job. You know, you can shit on the on the floor in the office, and no one would care because you're leaving. It's that kind of mentality that I think he's not. Maybe not he's got, but that's what he's displaying. What What's your thoughts um, in terms of Christensen not being involved in the FA Cup and the history of it as well. It's not just a one-off. He's done this before. So mm. what, what's your thoughts? I mean, first of all, I don't really like to comment too much. Like you mentioned, when we don't know the full story, it's only Christensen, it's only Tuchel, and it's only the people around the club that know the true story. I know for a fact that this has happened more than once. Sorry, even mentioned that he's a player that suffers from nerves before games, which leads to, I think, tummy cramps or yeah. something like that, which means he has to pull out of warm-ups and change his plan, his, um, his lineups. Uh, so it has happened more than once. It happened, I think, was it the West Ham home game when he, he had to be pulled out and I think Chiloba had to come in last minute. Um, and if that's the case and it's linked to his mental health, his, his anxiety, his nerves, then that's something that he does need the support. We can't just point the finger to him and criticise him because that is something quite serious. serious. It is maybe an illness. It is um, something where the football world needs to support him. But if it is the fact that his head's already in Barcelona, but the team and the manager still rely on him, that's poor mentality from him. It's extremely poor mentality. You expect him to still do the job until he's still wearing the shirt, until June the 1st, where he's officially released from Chelsea and he becomes a Barcelona player. And this is an FA Cup final we're talking about, one of the most historic competitions in English football. And he's played at Wembley before. He knows what the pressure is like. He's done it before. It's not like this is his first game as a professional footballer. He's 26. So there's that other side to me that thinks he's being unprofessional. He's letting his team down. He's letting his manager down. He could have gone a very different way. Maybe had Christensen played, we could have maybe, I mean, this is just a lot of ifs and maybes, but mm. it's, it's disappointing. I think, like you mentioned, it's hundred, almost 99.9% sure that he's leaving in, in, on the 1st of June. So, um, I feel like, again, I think I've said this in previous episodes, he's one of those players that's never really connected with the fans as much as a Rudiger. 
as much as Thiago Silva, as much as some of the other youngsters who have come through the academy, like Abraham, like uh, Rhys James, like Mason Mount. He seems to have almost distanced himself from the fans. I don't know if that's maybe because of his Danish roots and he's not English like the other academy boys, but there's something about him that maybe you maybe two or three seasons ago knew he wanted to, to leave or be elsewhere. I think he came close to signing for Juventus one summer. But no, when you compare his mentality to the one that Rudiger's displayed, even though Rudiger's pre-signed for, for Real Madrid, he probably knew that he was signing for Real Madrid when he played that game at the Bernabeu, but still scored against his, what's going to be his new team mm. and put in a great performance. It just shows a difference in mentality. So um, it's disappointing. But like I said, I don't like commenting if I don't know the, the full facts and the, the real, the true story in a way. Yeah, yeah, and it's—I mean—it is unfortunately um, like hearsay. It's a, you know, we're, we're talking from social media, Twitter feeds, and, and and everywhere else that we kind of source a lot of our information from, and journalists, of of course, obviously. But yeah, I, like I said, mental health, which is a massive thing. You know, it's not something that is, especially in the footballing world, isn't discussed potentially as as much as it should be. Um, then, of course, you know, you want him to get the best help and best support that he can get, but. And I hate saying but after that because it's there shouldn't be a but. But it's literally what um, I did as well, yeah. But if it is a case of, you know, just again, like you've just said, comparing Rudiger, um, I even think back to, you know, Aiden Hazard when he left him, you know, the, the final game in um the Europa League final, and the way that he left was was, you know, you know the doors always open for him to come back. There's a way of leaving the club. And I just think if this is your way out, your your reasons for trying to make sure that that move definitely goes through you know at the end of the um, end of end of the month then you're going about it all the wrong way because you know you've come from the Chelsea Academy which is a massive achievement in itself you know you, you you're playing you've got the opportunity to play at Wembley which you know as football fans as some professional footballers would rip your arm off to to even be in that position to do that um yeah to, to, to bring that to full circle like I said if it is you know mental health issues of course you know it's easy for me to sit here and say that when I'm not going through what potentially you know Christensen could be going through so you know you have to sort of factor that into it but you know it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out it could be that the new owners might have a conversation with him try and offer him something you know um, a substantial deal that keeps him at the club if they did that as, as I say that if they did that what would your thoughts be would you be Happy to see him obviously retain. I think we both said at the time, if we lose Rudiger, we'd like to retain Christensen. Um, obviously still bring in, I think we'd still need to bring in someone, whether that's, you know, um, Kunde or whoever we've been linked with. But would you be happy to see Christensen stay if there's an opportunity to keep him at the club? Yeah, I mean, if there's an opportunity to keep him, obviously I'd love for him to stay. But if his head's not with Chelsea and he's, like he's publicly said, he, I think his agent said he wants to leave or find a better solution for his agent, then let him leave. I just want players that are committed to the club 100%. Even Rudiger, you could argue that if he really wanted to stay, he would have stayed. He would have waited until the ownership situation was, was resolved so he could stay. So that would also in the case that he's not 100% committed either, maybe 90% committed. But I just want players that are 100% committed. So if Christensen wants to leave, let him leave. And I don't think there's even a possibility of him staying anymore. So let it, it is what it is. Let, let's talk about some players who potentially we've been linked with over the last couple of days. Um, let's start with um, Perisic, who 
I think is a very good signing um, in terms of what potentially we're going to need in the summer. Also, we don't know regarding these licenses if there might be a, a slight delay. So we have to start thinking a bit more outside the box, I suppose. Um, what's your thoughts on that signing? If we can bring him in on a free transfer as well, which is a massive bonus as well. I think it's a brilliant signing. You look at arguably our, our best, maybe four signings of the last five to six years, all experienced players. I'd argue it was Fabregas, Diego Costa, Olivier Giroud maybe, and Thiago Silva. Giroud and Silva hardly cost us anything. Fabregas, Costa, a bit more expensive, but in their late 20s, experienced and I think, I think I mentioned it a couple episodes back, I think I want to see us make these smart signings, experienced players that will cost less but hit the ground running as soon as they sign. And I think that's what Perisic can offer. He'll offer cover as a wing-back option, even though he's more naturally an attacking winger. He's proved that he can do it, I think, in the Belgium League with Club Bruges when he started off quite early. Then he moved to the Bundesliga, played for Wolfsburg, um, Wolfsburg Dortmund, Inter Milan, Bayern Munich. Mm. He's a player that I think is very versatile. Us England fans know all about him. He broke our hearts in, in Moscow in 2018. Um, but no, if we can get him for a free, then I think it'd be a brilliant piece of business. It would also maybe mean that Emerson or, and or Alonso would probably depart the club, which looks very likely at the moment. And um, But then another kind of part of me is with this two-core vision that we have, we need to be building a younger squad. Mm. So we look at the players that have departed recently, the likes of Aspi, the likes of... Uh, Chag, I mean, possibly Chaga Silva in a year. They're players that, as good as they are, they can't keep doing it for the next two, three years. So we need to really build a, a younger squad, which maybe we should maybe look at who I think is the perfect Marcus Alonso replacement in uh, Cucurella from Brighton, possibly. But if we go for Perisic on a free, I'd be really, really excited. And like I said, I'm confident he's the type of player that can hit the ground running. Yeah, that's not a bad one, Cucurella as well. I, mm. I love him at Brighton. He's a, he's yeah, a he's really... Good. Really had a really good season, and you, uh, you know, I worry for Brighton because I think a lot of their, you know, you, even like a Tariq Lamptey, you think about those kind of players, they might actually get cherry picked and taken to another club higher up the league. But um, yeah, in terms of Perisic, you know, I agree with everything you said. You know, I think he's a a, a well experienced player that we can potentially utilize at that that role. You know, and I think I think I, I agree with you as well in terms of needing um, sort of to build a younger squad but I think you need to balance that with a bit mm -hmm. of experience as well and I think if we've got someone like Ben Chilwell who you would expect injuries you know permitting as long as he doesn't get another big injury he'll play a big chunk of next season uh, back in training today as well exactly yeah, the, yeah mm -hmm. I forgot to, to mention that that's all the picture um, <laughs> but yeah I think if we can get someone in who can who the expectation is not going to start every game his expectations are he might come and play the, the odd cup game or to give Ben Chilwell the rest that he needs or you know to, to bring Ben Chilwell off or like you said the, the versatility in terms of the being able to adapt to different roles. I think we, we need someone like that in the squad as well. And, you know, he's, he's one, he's one stuff, you know, he's, he's a, he's a, he's a good, he's a good player for me to bring into a squad on a free transfer. Um, I wouldn't say no to it at all, you know, and I think it's, it's one of those ones where had we had him this season, again, ifs and buts, but if we had him this season, I, I can imagine the sort of season, not to say Alonso hasn't done well, but I think to have someone who can still play it the way he can at the age is almost like another Thiago Silva. You know, mm. I think he's 33, isn't he, uh, Perisic? Per so, 33, yeah. Yeah, so if he's 33 years age and he can still play at that level consistently as well, I mean, I, I, it's a no-brainer to me. A no-brainer. Yeah. 
I was reading something about Thiago Silva, actually. I always love talking about him. But I think since he arrived in Europe from Fluminense in, I think, 2007, this season particularly is the most games he's ever played yeah, in, yeah. Europe, I read in Europe, which kind of shows that despite his age, he's for me, he's our player of the season. For me, yeah. he's our player of the season. So Hold, hold that for next week. <laughs> yeah, I think we'll do our predictions for that. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, but I read as well that we we played. I think we played sixty three games out of a possible sixty seven. I think, or maybe sixty five. I can't remember. So, mm-hmm. just think and just think about how many of the games Thiago Silva has potentially not played in, or he or he's you know he's been. I mean, there can't be just, that many. Just remember the Leeds one from first day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the only one I yeah. can remember from the top of my head. Yeah, yeah I mean, there's. I think there's. Yeah, it's got to be like the odd one or two. Yeah, but, I mean, he's probably not missed that much football this season. And 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 another thing sorry going back to the FA Cup he was injured I think in the first half and took, I, I don't you probably didn't see it at the stadium but you know he took a took a pill I'm assuming oh, a painkiller really? yeah took a took a pill and carried on and limped out the stadium at the end yeah, so, 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 so it's the sort of people we need at the club who are willing to you know to throw everything on the line and and you know the John yeah. Terry moment where he swallows his tongue you know and then he comes back to lift Warriors. the trophy Warriors. Yeah, those sort of players that we need. Even, even Kovacic, I think I saw a picture of him when he lined up for the team photo at the beginning. The he had a big bandage around his ankle in a yeah, way to, yeah. to protect it. So players that will play through the pain because they love the club. And that's yeah. why he almost had tears in his eyes when he had to come off in the Champions League final back in yeah. Porto last year. So I think these type of experienced players, they'll give it their all, they're committed. So I'm all for the Parasage signing. Yeah, definitely, 100%. Let's, let's move on to another transfer link, which... Actually, I, I'm trying not to get excited about it. Mm. But if it does happen, then uh, yeah. But we're talking about uh, Lewandowski, who for me is, I mean, he's, he's the Rolls Royce. Although I'm, I'm getting excited, but I did do the same thing when we signed Lukaku. Mm. So maybe I need to calm down. But if we can get Lewandowski over the line on a free transfer as well, I mean, well what's your thoughts? I mean, it's, it's got to be one of the signings of the season if we can get him. I think since we signed Fabregas, Fabregas was a player that used to play for rival clubs that I've always appreciated and I always wanted him at Chelsea. Since we signed him, the second player on that list would have been Lewandowski. Scoring goals for fun in the Bundesliga, scoring bicycle kicks in the Champions League. He's an absolute... I think him and Benzema, despite their age, they're in a league of their own at the moment. They really are and they, they seem to only get better almost with age. And I could list numbers of the amount of goals he scored each season in the Bundesliga, but I think he's scored about 30-something goals in the last couple of seasons. I read something of how he looks after his body and his diet, and he does this diet thing where he starts with dessert, then he has his main course, then he has his starter, because he's meant to digest the food better. The processor, exactly. So he looks after himself. His wife's a dietitian as well. And... Clearly, he does. I think he's, he even said he doesn't want to. His agent said that he doesn't want to stay at Bayern Munich. He wants a new challenge. Barcelona look like the front runners to sign him on a free. They seem to love a freebie at the moment. Barcelona. Yeah, it's free BFC uh, over there. Yeah, we're charity FC. We're charity. Yeah, but no. But if we can get him, if we can get him, I'd absolutely love it. But my one worry is it. Lukaku would probably get pissed off. He'd get very pissed off. He wants to be the star man. He wants to be our number nine. So c'est la vie, c'est la vie, exactement. But um, <laughs> if, if we can, um, if we can make them both happy or something like that, then let it be. But I feel like Tuchel's going to stay patient and give Lukaku one more season and not put mm. his, all, his eggs in all in one basket and get um, Lewandowski in. So I think he's destined to go to Barcelona as things stand. Unfortunately, I'm going to say unfortunately. 
Yeah. I mean, I, again, you know, I don't want to get too excited about it. Even when I talk about it, my, it brings joy to my, my day. But um, I think if we can get him, it'd be a massive signing. I think, I, I agree with you. I think, I think Lukaku's bought himself some time the back end of this season. I think there was no plan really to, to sell him. I don't think he was ever in the plans to be sold at the club, but I do think the new owners coming in has probably helped. I think the fact that he's kind of picked up a little bit of form, you know, the last two, maybe, yeah, two, let's not, let's not include the FA Cup final, but in terms of the two Premier League games before the final, he picked up that form, um, back-to-back goals. I think he's brought himself just a window of opportunity to, to potentially give himself um, you know, the Leicester game, the Watford game, maybe it's pre-season to see how he can get on. And, but I wouldn't be, I mean, uh, there's nothing to say that we, 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 we don't need Lukaku and Lewandowski. I mean, it, it's, it sounds crazy, but we talk about quality and depth and this is exactly what I think we need. Obviously, obviously Lewandowski isn't going to want to play second fiddle. If he's coming to the club, he wants to play pretty much every game. Like you just said, he, he keeps his body um, in, in great shape and in terms of health, healthiness and, and fitness and, you know, dietitian side of things. Um, but sometimes we might need two up top. Hmm. And I just think to myself, you know, we Lukaku played with a second striker at Inter Milan. I, I just think it would be a match. Obviously the system that we play now would potentially not suit that. But if you look at maybe a Pulisic or Hakim Ziyech, if it meant, you know, playing the two up top, changing the style of play, is what I'm saying, our tactics, mm. then why not? I think, you know, we, we've been shouting all season about not having the quality and depth and not being able to bring on a Lukaku or bring on a Lewandowski when we need when we need them. And now we've got the opportunity to potentially go and get them. Oh. I, I don't see why not. You know, I just think it's a it's a no-brainer. Yeah, I mean, I'll, license, I'll pay for... license permitting. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. License permitting, sanctions lifted permitting. And um, player one in the move. I think, you know, mm. at the end of the day, he's, he holds the cards at the moment, doesn't he? With being the, a free agent. The London lifestyle is appealing to a lot of players. So maybe that could be the kind of the tipping point. But um, but no, on paper, front two of Lukaku and Landowski is a, a scary forward. And it's scary for right other teams, for the Premier League defenders. So I'll, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm all for it. But again, it, but he would spell the end for a, a Werner, a Ziyech, a Pulisic, one of those three players. Um, and again, another experienced player over 30. So perfect signing for me, but not building that vision, that plan for the next maybe five, six years. Mm. And I think it is that. I think it's a stopgap of of having someone who can bring in. I mean, you'd like to think if we can get him, um, yeah, someone like a Werner or Hakim Ziyech may have to, you know, move out the club or go on loan or go somewhere else. But if we can get him in, um, you'd like, I mean, we've missed out on Haaland now. That's a big one. I don't think we're ever in contention to get Mbappe. I think the fact that Haaland's gone to City means that Harry Kane stays at, mm-hmm. he would never come to Chelsea anyway, but it means he's staying at Tottenham or he's going to United or he's going abroad. So we have a stick with Lukaku, who we've all said this season isn't really the one that we really need to have in the squad. Or we still a top another. goal scorer. Still a top I know, goal. I know. That doesn't say a lot, though. That, that no, that's, that's true. That's the that's reason. True. I think the fact that he's really not played as much football as he should have, and he's still our top goal scorer, tells me that we need someone who can actually do what Lukaku can do, but on a consistent basis. And for me, that's the the the, the big uh, the big Lewandowski, hundred mm. percent. But we'll see. We'll see. We've got. I'm sure we're going to be linked with every 
man and his dog over the next couple of months, uh, yes. especially when we get our license, hopefully. Yeah, last thing on a transfer section, but I also saw a link to Atletico centre-back Jimenez again, which comes as no surprise as every transfer window we're linked to him. But yeah. Atletico always want a lot of money, so I think it'd be more sensible to maybe go for a, a Fafana, even a Kunde, one of those players that actually wants to push for a move potentially. Yeah, no, I agree. We'll have to keep um, keep on top of that over the summer, hopefully, if we can actually mm-hmm. sign players. But <laughs> let, let's talk about, not m- more so the result yesterday, but the fact that Arsenal lost um, means that we are now guaranteed Champions League football next season without kicking a ball, which is brilliant, which is what I wanted before the FA Cup final. But um, looking back on the season, which will do a massive sort of review of it anyway but again I mean thinking back to everything that's happened in our season in terms of Chelsea this season with you know Thomas Tuchel sanctions Roman Abramovich and Covid not having games postponed Champions League getting as far as we did two two finals yes we lost on, on penalties in two of them but still managing to get top you know to get top four and progressing into the Champions League for next season is that something that not to say it's been a brilliant season but what we've had this season with everything that's gone on is it a season where we can now build on for next season and say that you know we need to bring in the right players um, and hopefully go on and go even further in the Champions League I think it's it's been an eye-opening season in a way that maybe some players haven't justified why they should stay in a team. Some players have maybe indicated that they're slowing down with their form or their performances and we may need to plan for the future, potentially in midfield as well. I think it's going to be an opportunity for a lot of young players who performed out on loan to come back and show what they're capable of doing. I'm thinking the likes of Conor Gallagher and Purdue, Levi Colwell, who's in a playoff final. So not just focusing on the Chelsea team, but things that have happened outside of Chelsea Football Club as well. Um, There's been a lot of indicators that we can build on that for next season. But I think we'll do a big review soon, but I don't want to say it's been a successful season. I don't want to say it's been a bad season. It's been something maybe in the middle, maybe like a six out of 10, something like that. You just mentioned two finals that we've lost, unfortunately, but Super Cup, Club World Cup, and a lot of things that have gone against us. And it's progress in a way. If you think of the last two seasons, we had to wait until match day 38 to know whether we were in the Champions League um, top four or not. So now that we've got two games to spare and we've guaranteed top four progress. So maybe yeah, yeah. that's a small indicator that we're, we're going forward as well. Yeah, uh, and that, I think that's where I was getting to. You know, obviously it depends how you look at it, what lens you're looking at it from. But for me, it is progress because, you know, we we had to rely on, we were heavily reliant on other results. Mm. If you think back to last season, um, yes, we lost the two finals, but I think in terms of the season and what we've had to do, and I keep bringing this game up, but the Wolves game at Molyneux, we had three outfield players and two subs, uh, two goalkeepers on the bench. It's unheard of. And our game should have been cancelled. And I think there was a game either on the same day or um, a day after or a day before side by side our fixture that was cancelled and they had more players so mm. I, it just doesn't not to say there's an agenda even though there is but you know I think we've done really well in terms of being able to go into these next two fixtures with a, l- a little less pressure 
Um, obviously, it'd be nice to be in the Champions League final, still have that to play for or to have the trophy from Saturday. But I think to go into these games now, it might give Tuchel the option to, you know, to, to just take out, uh, sorry, to play Lukaku or to to put Sal Niguez in just to see what he can actually do for the next two games or put in Melangsar, you know, test just test things within the squad that he, he might not necessarily have wanted to do mm. if he was still hoping. Alonso um, as a striker. Yeah, just just trying anything crazy. Ruben Loftus Cheek as false nine. Um, you know, give Kepper a bit of a game. Um, but I think it'd also be nice. You know, Rudiger can have a, a brilliant send off now. Farewell, yeah, yeah. You know, the likes of the, the players that we know are definitely leaving. You know, they'll get a really good, which they would they would have got anyway. Uh, you know, not to say that they wouldn't if we lost, but I think now that there's no pressure, you know, the send off's going to be a bit more better. I think for, mm. for the likes of Rudiger. Um, so yeah, you know, I think going into the Champions League next season, if we can get the squad selection right and scouting right and, you know, we obviously we keep Thomas Tuchel, which is a massive part of it. I don't see why we can't go on. I think we were very unlucky. If you think back to that first Real Madrid, I mean, it should be us. It's going to be a stupid thing to say, but it should be us. That should be in that final. You think back to that first leg in the uh, in a Real Madrid game, the mistakes we made were, were so like, the hmm. schoolboy errors that we shouldn't be making at that level. Yeah, and I know um, we would have played Man City in the semis, but I think we can deal with that pressure. Yeah, City, was, City couldn't yeah. have deal with that pressure, so I'd have probably fancied us over against Man City over two legs as well. So yeah, yeah like I think, like you just said, it should be us in Paris, maybe on the twenty eighth. But yeah. we, we we dug ourselves our own kind of own holes, and that those mistakes at Stamford Bridge, giving gifting Benzema those goals, we can only hold our hand up and say we're responsible for them, but. But on any other day, maybe we would have made those mistakes and they would have been us in that final. So it is what it is. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to the Champions League next season now that we're in it. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to Thursday nights to watch Arsenal in, in the, the, the Champions, uh, in the Europa League, not the Champions League. Um, and Ala Madrid uh, for the 28th of May. Yes, 100%. Ala Madrid. A million, a million percent. A million percent. I think um, I've got a Madrid kit somewhere, so that will come on on the 28th. Yeah, I, I think I've got I've got a Spanish T-shirt somewhere. I'll throw that on, and I know my son's definitely got a Real Madrid, so he's wearing that on on the twenty eighth as well. But um, before we wrap up, let's talk about. I just mentioned Leicester, um, which is going to be a massive game for us. I think. Um, luckily, we've got two home fixtures now. I think um, Watford um, at Stamford Bridge as well. So, but let's talk about the Leicester game, which um, pressures off us now. But knowing Thomas Tuchel, he's still going to want the results. He's still going to want six points out of these two games. Would you change what I've just said before? Would you change it in terms of squad selection and allow, you know, um, I think that's like, a, obviously, Mateo Kovacic, we know is potentially not even going to start anyway if he's still injured. But would you allow the fringe players, and I hate using that word, but those players that might be on the way out, Barclays, um, you know, Melanxar, Salniguez, would you, would you start them with? Kennedy, that's another one. Yeah, would you would you start those sort of players in a game where the expectation is for us to still win? But if we don't win, it's not the end of the world. I'll have a, a balanced team of some of those maybe fringe players, like you call them, or some of those ones that are featured more regularly this season. But as well, I think a lot of those players that played 120 minutes on on Saturday at Wembley or featured in the during that, that game will be physically tired and mentally tired as well. So I give a lot of those players a break. As P again, I think he came off the bench, but I give maybe him a break, Mason Mount. And I'd play the likes of maybe, like you said, the Loftus Cheeks, the Barclays, the Sauls. I, I give Kepper a chance in goal as well. Mm. So definitely, I'd have a 
heavily rotated team for for Thursday. Is it Thursday or Wednesday? Thursday. Yeah. Thursday, yeah. So we've got the Thursday and then obviously we've got Sunday being the final game against Watford again. And a nothing game, but we should beat them. But um before we wrap up, as always, we've only got two left to do. So let's do our score predictions um for the Leicester game. I'm gonna let you go first. I've been terrible at this this season. Um <laughs> Let's go with Chelsea when Leicester have been poor, I think. So those players, like you said, that haven't featured as regularly may, may have a point to prove why they should be there next season. So I'm going to go with 2-1 Chelsea. I'm going to go 3-0. I think mm. even if it's Kepa or Mendy, m- more so Mendy, which is strange of what we just said before at the start of this episode, but I think clean sheets is what Mendy has been good at at points this season. He's been able to keep and maintain clean sheets f- through periods of the season but I think if yeah it'd be interesting if he does start with Kepa I think Kepa again potentially he might start because of the fact that like I said in a couple of episodes ago I think he's potentially one that will go he's too good to be a number two so you might see him in the in the shop window in the summer but I'm going to go 3-0 Leicester look like down and out I mean they've they've over overachieved for many seasons but I think we're seeing a real Leicester and the the sort of aftermath of, you know, playing in those Europa League games and those overachieving seasons is kind of coming back to haunt them a little bit now. Um, so, yeah, I think they're there for the taking. Same with Watford, but, um, you know, we'll talk about them separately. But 3-0, you said 2-1. So we'll mm-hmm. have to see, hopefully, who uh, who is correct in that as well. But, yeah, yeah. I'll give you Leicester and Watford. You'd think those are easier games than when we played Leeds and Everton who are fighting for relegation. Watford had yeah, yeah. currently already relegated. Leicester have nothing to play for. So it's going to be a question of who has got the better mentality on the day. And yeah. hopefully we can get the three points and finish in a respectable third. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So let's let's wrap up. Um, therapy session is over <laughs> for another week. Um, but for, for those who are listening on Spotify, please make sure you go to our YouTube channel, subscribe, just search from the Shed End, or if you can see the social accounts at the very top of the screen as well. If you're on Spotify, you can watch the visuals of our podcast now as well. So make sure you do that as well. Theo, as always, thank you very much for joining me. It's been a pleasure. Fairy possessions are always the best after a Chelsea defeat. So, um, yeah, we've got one more to do for the season and then we'll be doing some specials throughout the summer, I think. Um, some some good, interesting topics that we've got lined up. So make sure you do stay tuned for them. But as always, thank you all for listening or watching. This has been episode 62 of From the Shed End. Until next time, thanks. <laughs>